Hey y'all. So when it comes to bodies, weight loss is not really something that I'm pursuing right now. But as you know, one of Vanessa's family members has been taking a GLP-1 medication and it's worked really well for him. So if that is part of your journey, you should check out the Roe Body Program. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Roe's partner handles all the insurance paperwork to help get the medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. Go to ro.co slash infamous. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash infamous. Campsite Media. We're back in the courtroom in Park City, Utah. Gwyneth Paltrow is on the stand. Square jaw, blue eyes set far apart, speaking into a small microphone. Gwyneth is in court for allegedly crashing into optometrist Terry Sanderson while skiing. The trial is being televised, and it feels like all of America is tuning in. I'm going to hand you a copy of your deposition. I'm going to need my reading glasses, unfortunately. Age comes for us all, even Gwyneth Paltrow. So um, you're going down relatively slowly when all of a sudden you heard a strange rustling noise behind you. Yes. Okay. And you felt like a rush of air in a strange way. Yes. Okay. And two skis slid in between my skis. That's correct. And all of a sudden, there was a body from the whole front of a body pressing into my back. That's right. Okay. And there was a man behind me pressing into me. How did you know it was a man? Because he was making some strange noises that sounded male and he was large so i assumed it was a male okay he was large i felt all my back okay pressing okay um all right there was a man pressing behind me pressing into me Mm -hmm. i was extremely upset well i was confused at first and I didn't know what, exactly what was happening. It's a very strange thing to happen on a ski slope. A very strange thing indeed. And obviously, with Gwyneth being so Gwyneth, it seems like she's just the type of person who would think someone crashed into her when it's the reverse. A person who doesn't like taking blame. From Sony Music Entertainment and Campside Media, this is Infamous. I'm Natalie Robomed. And I'm Vanessa Grigoriadis. And this is episode two of our series, Murder on the Ski Slope Express. Something I haven't talked about yet, I was actually supposed to write a story about Gwyneth Paltrow for Vanity Fair a number of years ago. Mm, what was your story about? Okay, so I got a call from Vanity Fair, and the editor said, we really want to put Gwyneth on the cover, but she just won't do it. <laughs> okay. And you should go write a story about her, and it would be about, like, do you love Gwyneth Paltrow or do you hate Gwyneth Paltrow? And I said, okay, well, that's interesting, but you know, obviously I want to talk to her and I definitely want to talk to people around her. So, you know, give me the contact. Mm -hmm. And they were like, 
no, you should definitely not call her. So I said, give me the contact. And did they? Yeah, they gave me the contact and they said, (laughs) you know what, Vanessa? Knock yourself out. And I was like, all right, thank you. So I called up the contact for Gwyneth Paltrow. And um, (laughs) (laughs) I've been there. Keep going. He he gets on the phone with me and I explained we would like to put Gwyneth Paltrow on the cover of the magazine. And he said, well, we already said no to this. Mm. And I said, well, she's going to go on the cover no matter what. So I really think we should, you know, we should collaborate. And he said to me, I know exactly what your piece is about. And I said, well, what what would that be? Mm -hmm. And he said, your piece is Gwyneth Paltrow Love her or hate her, and you're going to end on you should hate her. Oh, This is like a moment in time that I wish I could go back to because I thought to myself so many times, I should have just said, no, it's love her or hate her, but we're going to say love her, which is what I actually thought we would do. That would be like the best way to do this story. Right. That would be the counterintuitive way. Yeah. Right. And I didn't know what to say. And I said, no, that's not my story. (laughs) (laughs) And so the next step is I called up, you know, a few people I knew that sort of knew Gwyneth, including a socialite. And she's telling me a story about the girls' school that they went to. And halfway through the story, she says, you know, I feel like I should ask Gwyneth if I can really tell you these stories. And I said, yeah, well, knock yourself out. Go, Go ask her. And so (laughs) I get a call back from her five minutes later, and she said, oh, my God, Vanessa, I cannot even tell you what just happened. Gwyneth just emailed her entire address book that nobody should talk to Vanity Fair. She emailed her entire address book, but she also forgot to BCC people. So it's like Cameron Diaz (laughs) and all these different people. And it's like Gwyneth Paltrow says, I am not going to participate with this Vanity Fair profile and none of you should ever talk to this magazine again. And I was like, oh, oh my God, now I've messed up the magazine. In any case, it turned into a major sort of like war between the magazine. I was really just like a peon. Nobody really thought about me. Between the magazine and Gwyneth, of course, they they made up uh, eventually. But the incredible thing about this whole story is through this period of time, Gwyneth was getting divorced. And so she thought that we were going to report her divorce and her conscious uncoupling without her approval. We just wanted to sell some magazines with you on the cover. Right, (laughs) right, right, right. So it was sort of like a semi-comedy of errors. At first, I thought she was super annoying for not wanting to do the story, obviously. But once I found out about the divorce, I got it. Like, (laughs) I wouldn't have talked to me either. And, um, you know, it turns out that Gwyneth actually has a lot of reasons for why she acts the way she does. Yeah, and we're going to get into all that later. But first, we need to talk about Terry Sanderson. He's the person suing Gwyneth for a lot of money. And he seems so sympathetic. Terry claims the collision left him with four broken ribs, a concussion, and lasting brain damage. But little by little, we start learning new things about Terry Sanderson. Like, right after the crash, he sent his daughters a curious message. And the subject said, I'm famous. Do you see that? I do. Why did you write, I'm famous? You know, again, my head was scrambled. All I was trying to do is desperately communicate with my kids before they heard from somebody else I got crushed. So um, I didn't pick my words well. 
um, not at all how I felt. And I really was trying to add a little levity to a serious situation and it, it backfired. Now, if you're trying to argue that you were really hurt by a celebrity and that you're not just trying to bring a frivolous lawsuit to get money or fame from that celebrity, this is a really bad look. Gwyneth's lawyers know it. I'm famous because it's cool that I had a collision with a celebrity. Was that your thinking at the time? And you said yes. Do you deny it? I, not if you have it on record, no, I don't deny it. I don't remember it. Do you recall saying uh, that you agreed that saying I'm famous was a crazy thing to say? Agree? Absolutely, it's not me. It's, I don't buy into that. But it was you, right? Just right. to be clear. When you say it wasn't me, it, it was in fact you. It's the other personality that's inhabiting my body right now. And you blame Gwyneth Paltrow for that? Yes. No question. You see, Terry says the brain damage permanently impacted his personality. You told me about three near-death experiences after the collision. True? I did, yes. Is that right? I didn't know I'd taken tramadol. I took All just right. the um, Oxycontin that I had for my ribs, actually. My ribs were being broken from the ski accident. And you blame Miss Paltrow for all three of those near-death experiences after, true? I don't know if I Are said Are you that. claiming it right now in this lawsuit? Yes, very unusual for me not to make good decisions, medical decisions. But Terry seems to have been well enough to travel. Terry, you've been shown lots of pictures about all the different travels that you've done. After the ski accident, why did you travel? It was part of the healing process. I was told by several neurologists and cognitive therapists, get back to your routine. That healing process was pretty extensive. Did you go to Peru? Yes. Floated down the Amazon? Uh, yes, I guess so. Costa Rica, did you do a zip line? Same trip, yes. Did you go to Europe, visit Netherlands, Germany, Switzerland, Italy, France, Belgium? With my daughter, Jenny, yes. Did you go to the Netherlands three times? I don't remember. Well, if you're disputing it, then we pull it out of your, out of your deposition. I don't remember. I have no reason to dispute it or agree. Okay, Morocco twice. True? Uh, likely, very likely. Canary Islands, I need to know if you're disputing these things. I can't dispute it, no. Thailand, did you go to Thailand after the collision? Yes. Did you visit at least the states of Washington, Oregon, Montana, and Idaho after the collision? Probably. This is you and your girlfriend. Is that Southern Utah hiking? I don't remember where. Looks like you have one of those cool backpacks with water uh, on, is that true? Yes, that's true. Next one, 52. This is you going on a hike, taking a picture of a moose, right? Yes. Nothing like fresh, cool air, a running brook, an easily entertained and hungry company. That's your, your personal post, is that true? Yes. Is this uh, you kayaking? No, absolutely not. Oh boy. I was trying on helmets to protect my head. Did you go kayaking after the collision? I don't remember that, but this is not it. This was in a local It's a whole different question. Let's ignore the picture. Thank you. Did you kayak after the collision? 
No, I don't think so. All right. You went scuba diving, right? Uh, what year? After, I don't even care what year. After the collision. I did go sometime after, yeah. You went to an auto show in Germany. Does this sound right? There's this idea in science called quantum superposition. Basically, scientists have discovered that it's actually possible for molecules to be in two places at once. Like, the same chunk of matter can be in two completely different locations at one time. This is possible because basically, particles can also be waves, like wavelengths you see for sound, and waves occupy multiple places in space at once. As an aside, yes, it's complicated. Upshot being, two things can be true at once. And maybe that's what's going on in the ski trial. Because maybe Gwyneth is elitist and out of touch and everything she's been accused of being. But maybe Sanderson also is just trying to sue her for fame and money. Maybe Goop does spread a lot of pseudoscience, but maybe Gwyneth genuinely believes in all of it? I didn't think about it a lot until my father was diagnosed with cancer, and that really changed things for me. That's Gwyneth, talking on a podcast called The Art of Wellness. And I started realizing that there had to be a connection between what we were eating and what we were exposed to and how that was being expressed through disease. Now, I get this. When someone close to you is diagnosed with a really serious illness like cancer, it makes you feel powerless. And you start looking for ways to make sense of it, to feel in control. That's when I started researching whatever I could. This is pre-internet, but you know, talking to people, trying to buy books on nutrition, understand the links between environmental toxins, cancer, HPVs, you know, all that kind of like understanding what, what led to the creation of disease in our culture. And then past my father, like, why is this so pervasive? And why do we have so much, you know, obesity, depression, type two diabetes, you know, and all the things I was observing and just wondering what could be done about it and what were the modalities out there. My producer Lily is going to read an excerpt from a Goop newsletter written by Gwyneth that I think is revealing about her mindset. I tried to get my father on board with mixed results. He loved acupuncture but hated macrobiotic food, which he likened to biting into the New York Times. Despite all this effort, Gwyneth blamed herself for not doing enough. I wasn't adamant enough in cleaning up his diet and getting rid of the cancer and the radiation. Now I really feel I could have extended his quality of life. But I wasn't as strong as I should have been. Now, this isn't an excuse for allegedly spreading misinformation or pseudoscience. But if this is the reason Gwyneth is so evangelical about goop and about all the alternative treatments and weird diets she promotes that have no basis in science, it's actually sort of sad. But she also believes something else. 
we all have so much agency. We don't realize the agency that we have, that we have autonomy over our bodies, what we put into our bodies, the thoughts that we form, the words that we speak. And when we have a certain degree of mastery over ourselves and we embrace that, we can really start to change our lives and feel really good. We all have this power within us to feel better and to have that kind of agency. Gwyneth seems to have a sort of self-determinist philosophy, that an individual is in control of how they feel. Never mind that this does not at all acknowledge any structural issues that might prevent people from doing so. It's all on you. And maybe, just maybe, this is why she decided to fight Sanderson. Why she took it all the way to trial. Because perhaps she believes each individual has agency and should be responsible for their own health, rather than suing someone else over it. So who is the victim on the ski slope? And who's the villain? I've always struggled with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money, and it does all that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com infamous. That's rocketmoney.com infamous. rocketmoney.com infamous. Back in the 90s, Pepsi and Coca-Cola were in a heated race to try and win loyal customers by any means necessary. But when Pepsi launched an ambitious promotion that encouraged people to buy Pepsi and redeem points for prizes, they overlooked their own fine print in a major way. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question. Who thought this was a good idea? Like, who at Pepsi thought it would be a good idea to advertise that people could earn enough points to redeem a military jet as a prize? When they launched their Pepsi points system, they never imagined somebody might actually try to snag it. But a 23-year-old did, and suddenly, Pepsi owed him a jet. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This is Infamous from Campside Media. So back to Gwyneth on the stand. She told the courtroom that her dad was actually the reason she got into skiing, too. My father was, um, he loved skiing and he had learned later in life um, and so he was determined for my brother and I to learn how to ski when we were young. Um, and he used to do these really sweet one-on-one -on -one ski trips with us where he would take us to various destinations, and Alta was one of them. But those family ski trips were cut short. 
because her dad actually lost his battle to cancer when he was only 58. Gwyneth was just 30 at the time. You stopped skiing for a while? I did. Um, I was pretty devastated by his death and just being in the ski resort and on a chairlift, it was... um, it was difficult for me, so I avoided it for a few years until I had my own kids, and then I heard his voice in my head thinking I should teach them how to ski. It seems as though being back on those slopes was symbolic for Gwyneth, a way of connecting with her dad, of passing that tradition onto her kids. Actually, not just her kids. Gwyneth was on this trip with her soon-to-be husband, Brad, and his children. This was a significant trip for us. It was the first time Brad and I were introducing our kids and doing something um, together as to see if we could blend families. So a ski slope was already an emotionally charged place for Gwyneth. And on top of that, when she and Terry collided, she didn't fully understand at first what was happening. I didn't know if it was an intentional assault of a sexual nature. Right. Was he grinding and thrusting or something, or just the noises? What made you think it was a, an, a sexual assault? So my brain was trying to make sense of what was happening. I thought, am I, is this a practical joke? Is someone like doing something perverted? This is really, really strange. By the way, Gwyneth has publicly said that she has been sexually harassed. She's one of the many women who have claimed they were victimized by Harvey Weinstein, claims he has denied. Our bodies were almost spooning, and I moved away quickly. Yes. And my knees splayed open, and I was completely in shock. Yes. When we fell down, I fell on his body. He fell on the ground, and so it was kind of like a spoon on the ground. I said, you skied directly into my effing back, and he said, oh, sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. After the collision, her kid's ski instructor, Eric, came over to see Sanderson and Gwyneth. Eric was helping him up and asking if he was okay. And were you still standing right there when he helped him? I believe I was, yes. You sure you hadn't skied down a little bit? I might have skied down a little bit. My son was down a little bit, and my now husband came over at some point. Okay. Um, so I, and I remember moving away from Mr. Sanderson after he collided into me and we hit the ground. Sanderson's lawyers are trying to nail Gwyneth for fleeing the scene. At the time of the collision, were you aware of the rule that if you're in a collision, you need to share your name, your contact information with the person that you're involved in a collision with? I don't think I was aware of the rule. Okay. Were you aware that there is kind of a rule of common decency to do that? I would not have left the scene without leaving my information. And my information was left. Did you provide that information? No, Eric Christensen, who was the ski instructor with us, said he would leave all the information. Gwyneth says it was just an honest mistake. Because I was hit by Mr. Sanderson and he was at fault, I assumed that Eric, who was our ski instructor who was there at the time, who was overseeing the event, he said, I'm going to leave all of your information. And he said, you should go ski down because my kids were waiting for me. Did you ever um, ask, hey, how was that guy that ran into the back of me? Is he okay? 
Do you ever ask anybody from Deer Valley about that? I did not because at the time I did not know that he had sustained injuries like that. I thought it was very minor on the day. And you didn't stick around long enough to find that out. I stuck around long enough for him to say he was okay, to stand up, that he told Mr. Christensen he was okay. Suddenly, Gwyneth's apparent lack of concern about Sanderson makes a lot more sense. She didn't know Sanderson had gotten a concussion or broken four ribs because he had stood up and told her kid's ski instructor he was fine. So she just carried on. So... Uh, Ms. Paltrow, the, the reason I got involved in this case in the first place was your counterclaim. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk with you about the counterclaim. Um, is it true that you feel it's unfair that Mr. Sanderson has brought this case against you? I do. And you're bringing this claim for $1. I am. Sanderson's asking Gwyneth for $3 million, which the judge has lowered to 300000 Gwyneth's asking him for a dollar. Okay, in fact, your counsel, Steve, do you still have that dollar bill? This is an amazing piece of courtroom theater. One of Sanderson's lawyers gets up and actually waves a one dollar bill in the air. You saw Mr. Owens wave that one dollar around, right? I did. Okay. One dollar in symbolic damages, is that accurate? It's an actual dollar that I'm asking for. But this isn't the first time a big-name celebrity has pulled this stunt in a courtroom. You learned about that through Taylor Swift because she asked for one dollar in symbolic damages, right? And I think I said at that point I had not been familiar with it, but I since am. Now you are. But at the time, a couple years ago in 2020, you didn't know anything about Taylor Swift's one dollar symbolic damage lawsuit? Sanderson's lawyer is referring to a lawsuit Taylor Swift brought against a radio host who she said groped her backstage at a meet and greet. Swift won and won one dollar. And while all that's true, it's a little hard to see why it's relevant. Are you good friends with Taylor Swift? No. Overruled? You're not good friends with Taylor Swift. I would not say we're good friends. We are friendly. I take my kids, I've taken my kids to one of her concerts before, but we don't talk very often. You've never given Miss Swift personal, um, intimate gifts for Christmas? Uh, Your Honor, uh, relevance or I would like a relevance. bench trial? Well, or? she's just said that she wasn't friends with her, so I, I'm inquiring on that. Ask her about Oprah. I mean, Mr. Owens? Uh, sustained. Please move on. So technically, Gwyneth is also asking for reimbursement of her attorney's fees. So I'm asking for a dollar for me Mm -hmm. and then reimbursement of attorney's fees, which is a separate thing. Don't you think that that's one dollar? That's a mischaracterization, isn't it? I took it as I would receive that one dollar, which is all I am asking for. Ms. Paltrow, isn't it true that you've misrepresented a number of things today to this jury? Absolutely not. No other questions. Then it's Gwyneth's lawyer's turn to question her. And this is where things get interesting. Uh, Do you feel some empathy for Mr. Sanderson and his declining brain? You know, I really do. I feel very sorry for him. It seems like he's had a very difficult life. But I did not cause the accident, so I cannot be at fault for anything that subsequently happened to him. 
This makes me think of Gwyneth's self-determination, the individual agency she feels we all have to help ourselves feel better. Did Mr. Sanderson hurt you by hitting you? He did. And please explain. Well, when we fell over, my right knee felt like it had been overstretched and my back hurt. All right. And uh, you got a massage but did not seek medical care. Is that what I understand? I did not. I mean, this is jade egg popping, gem healing, detoxifying Gwyneth Paltrow. A massage probably is medical attention to her even though it makes her sound super out of touch. My, I was worried about my knee, my back hurt. It felt violating to have somebody press their body against my back. I was full of adrenaline. I was really upset, and I, I'm sorry that I cursed. And after all that, Gwyneth's time on the stand is over. We'll let it go. Thank you. Thank you. Cross. It's 5 o'clock. We're done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. They all file out. Um, Gwyneth, I imagine, to her SUV and bone broth. Sanderson to goodness knows where. There are a few more days of the trial after this, but they pass uneventfully. Gwyneth attends every day, sitting in the front row next to her lawyers, judiciously taking notes in a $300 notebook. Until finally, it's time for the jury to decide. Who will be found at fault, Sanderson or Gwyneth? That's after the break. Anybody who has a sibling knows that sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope, on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince Harry and Prince William. They'd been each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wandry's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds. And they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle? Or was it something that began much earlier? Follow Dis and Tell on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. 
You're listening to Infamous from Campside Media. It's day eight of Gwyneth versus Sanderson. The jury files out to deliberate. They have to reach a unanimous verdict. So they're all going to a little room to discuss everything they've just heard and decide who is at fault. This could take days, even weeks. But about two hours later, they're ready. Thank you, we'll now have the clerk read the verdict. Gwyneth blinks a few times, but her face is totally neutral. She must be feeling so nervous. Did they decide that quickly because the evidence against her was just so strong? Or will the case go in her favor? She listens. Was Terry Sanderson at fault? Yes. Did Terry Sanderson's fault cause Gwyneth Paltrow's harm? Yes. The court TV cameras push in on Gwyneth's face. Closer, closer. She blinks again and again. What percent of the fault do you assign to Terry Sanderson? 100%. At this, Gwyneth's mouth opens as though she's gasping. She looks down and exhales. Gwyneth has been found not to be at fault. Even though she's privileged and unlikable and oh so desperately out of touch, in this case, she's right. What amount fairly compensates Gwyneth Paltrow for economic damages? One dollar. And she's gotten her one dollar. The camera pans to Terry Sanderson. He looks down for a long, long time. Terry may have been found at fault, but the real loser here is the taxpayer. Because trials like Gwyneth and Sanderson's reportedly cost the average household more than $3,500 a year. This court is now adjourned. Thank you. Gwyneth gets up to leave, but she doesn't head straight for the door. She walks across the beige courtroom, past all the press and lawyers and dreary wooden benches, directly over to Sanderson, her rival in all this for the last few years. She puts her right hand on his left shoulder, leans over, and whispers something. It's so quick and so quiet, the cameras don't pick it up. But outside the courtroom, Sanderson reveals what she said. I wish you well. And maybe she really did. Infamous is a production of Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment. This episode was written by me, Natalie Robomed, and executive produced and co-hosted by me and Vanessa Gregoriadis. Shoshi Smolovitz is our managing producer and editor. Lily Smith is our producer. Julia Case Levine is our associate producer. And we had support from Emma Simonoff. David Devereaux sound designed this episode and it was recorded by Ewan Lai Tremuin. It was fact-checked by Aaliyah Farouk Sheikh. Campside Media's executive producers are Josh Dean, Vanessa Gregoriadis, Adam Hoff, and Matt Scher. Thanks to our operations team, Doug Slaywin, Ashley Warren, Sabina Mara, and Destiny Dingle. If you enjoyed Infamous, please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>